You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Pete Weatherburn, are you a, um, a Jedi or a Star Wars mm, fan? or Not anymore. I think I probably was at one stage, but I've moved on. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really grab me anymore. Were you a Star Trek fan? I, I remember playing with a stick like it was a... What are those things called? Uh, you were Zorro. Uh, the thing the, the light, <laughs> light thing I remember doing that at one stage when I was a teenager but yeah. uh, that's a while ago now right so you were for a long time you were more it? Star Wars than Star Trek then definitely yeah, yeah alright okay yeah. it was cooler was it I don't know it was, it was, didn't have yeah all the well all the machines that used to battle in space yeah. I mean, they, they were far more attractive anyway there you go thank you very much indeed the RDS the weekend for all that uh, Pete Weatherburn is here our vet good morning Pete good morning once again officially um, Pete is from uh, Brave Vet and uh, he's got a website called Pete the Vet you'll see him on TV3 as well so what's our big issues this weekend? Well, I, th- I thought I'd talk a bit about blood transfusions in pets because people don't seem to know a lot about this, don't seem to realise it even happens. Um, so I think it's an interesting aspect of, of veterinary life which is similar to but different from what happens in humans. Yeah, I've never heard it before. No, you no. wouldn't. Um, are, are blood types the same as humans? Well, the, what, what basically dogs have got different blood groups, all right, but... In the difference between humans and animals is that in, in pets, we don't worry so much about blood groups um, because you can have one blood transfusion and it doesn't matter if you've never had one before. You can't possibly have an allergic reaction or immune reaction to some other blood group if you've never met it before. So an animal is highly unlikely to have two blood transfusions in its lifetime whereas with, anim- with humans that's much more likely to happen because they live for much longer. So with humans they're really really careful to make sure blood groups are just so and you can only have a transfusion from your own blood group whereas in, in, with dogs with a first blood transfusion you can have it from any dog. Now we do cross match them at the same time. What that means is we take a drop of blood from um, the dog that's giving blood and a drop of blood from the dog that's receiving blood and mix them together on a microscope slide and make sure that there isn't a reaction under the microscope. Um, you do that before you give a blood transfusion. Um, but otherwise, just in general, any dog can give to any dog. Really? It doesn't matter if it's a, a big, huge greyhound or Irish no, setter inter- and a small little pooch. <laughs> they still take the same blood, do they? They take the same blood, exactly. Um, and But... but like in hu- in humans, they have a blood bank, obviously, where you go and donate blood, and your blood is then stored and you know uh, analysed in different ways and categorised, and then it waits in a fridge somewhere until it's needed. Um, in the dog world, in this country, there isn't a blood bank like that. There is one in the UK now, but in Ireland, there isn't. And what that means is the vet clinics have to do it on an individual basis as needed. So the general thing would be for us that we would have a list of, we'd have a a notice in our waiting room saying that if you've got a dog that would be a suitable donor, then, um, you know, please add your name to our list. And a suitable donor means, you know, like a a large enough dog, so more than 20 kilograms, fully vaccinated, very healthy, and a good temperament so that he doesn't like, doesn't, doesn't mind 
um, sitting there while we take a blood sample from uh, quite a big blood sample from him, uh, uh, donations from him indeed. So that's that's the, what what the suitable dog blood donor is like. And then we have this list of suitable donors. And then when we have a crisis where blood is needed, um, and it could be um, a serious road accident, it could be a major operation that's about to happen, it could be um, rat bait poisoning, it could be other types of anemia. When we have a, a patient that urgently needs blood, we phone around the list that we have of potential blood donors and we see who's able to come down with their dog so that we can collect some blood from their dog and put it into the dog that needs it. There's so much demand for this. It sounds what would have been really Hollywood um, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. No, this this is common. I'd say probably once every two months we would need a, a blood donation. So um, it tends to happen all in a hurry. That's one of the the, the, the big issues with it is that you know um, when when we need blood we need it really quickly because an animal is 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 dying you know um, and it really does save their life uh, blood as well as carrying um, carrying oxygen blood also carries nutrients it carries clotting factors all sorts of things so um, an animal can literally be on the way out of its life, you give it a pint of blood and whoosh, it's lifted up again and it survives. And it, it, it's, it's not a long-term treatment, it's a treatment that's used to get animals over a big crisis. And once they're over the crisis, then usually they're yeah. fine. They're usually they're okay. Fine. Uh, can Pete talk about the weather? It's getting hot. What should I do about the dog? What should I watch out for? Well, I, th- I think the main thing, I mean, it's not really hot, hot yet, but of course we're heading that way. May, June, July are the hot months in Ireland, hopefully. Um, I think you need to be aware of what your pet experiences and be aware that they, they can overheat, especially dogs. Cats tend to do their own thing quite nicely. They find cool spots and they don't overstress themselves in the heat, whereas dogs are a bit more silly when it comes to things like that. First of all, it's not their fault because they've got often got long coats designed maybe for really cold climates. Um, you know, you take, take, take a, a husky type dog out on a hot day in Ireland, it is going to overheat. Um, so, it's, you know, you need to look after dogs in that way. If they have a long coat, you need to make sure they're kept especially cool. The other thing is that dogs um, only lose heat um, through, basically through uh, panting, which means that they, uh, their, their tongue swells up with lots of rich blood supply and they breathe very quickly over their tongue. <laughs> and as they're doing that, they're losing body heat. If you ever put your hand in front of a dog's mouth when it's panting, you'd be amazed at the heat of the air that's coming out. That's how they lose heat. And by panting, they use up an immense amount of water. And what that means is that they need to drink a lot more in hot weather. Um, so if you have a, a, a dog that, that you feel may be getting a bit overheated, then you have to make sure they've got plenty of fresh water all the time. Okay. And do dogs like hot water or cold water or room temperature water or say if the water at the tap is really cold, do they mind? <laughs> just wondering. Just it's wondering a, it's a really interesting subject. I think some research should be done on this but what I know anecdotally is that different animals like different things. I know some dogs that love drinking from a bowl with ice cubes in it and I know some cats <laughs> that will only drink warm water. They won't, drink, they won't touch cold water if it's warm. They'll lap it up. So it does vary. It does vary. <laughs> Um, right. The other thing, of course, the message goes out every year, um, don't leave dogs in, or any pet in a car with um, closed, well, in a car full stop, even with windows that are open, because um, what happens, because they lose heat by panting, if the air around them is really warm, they can't lose, lose heat, yeah. because there's no 
there's no interface between um, hot body and cold air. Um, so it just means that they, they can't cool down. So they get hotter and hotter and hotter. And every summer we see dogs dying of um, of heat exposure because they just they, they basically just get too hot and uh, their body temperature rockets right up, you know, like 106, 108 degrees Fahrenheit um, and um, they just collapse and have a heart attack and die and we see this every year. In particular I think that the one that I've noticed in re- recent years is that people aren't aware of the risk so they might be out with their dog on a hot day the dog's galloping around the field and of course as a dog exercises there's muscle, the muscles um, are contracting and they're producing heat and so that makes the dog even hotter and what happens is the dog just flops down and the owner doesn't realise why the dog has flopped down and they just try and encourage them to go and they, you know, the, the dog's lying there panting and they think, well I don't know why my dog's suddenly gone so weak the truth is the dog is overheated and they need to take urgent action or the, or the dog's going to die so yeah. be very, very careful exercising your dog um, in, the, in the fullness of the heat of the day in fact they even say don't do it if it's warm weather you should be exercising your dog you know, before you go to work or after you get back from work not oh, in the middle right. of the day Okay, Pete, thank you very much indeed. You can hear Pete's advice again on his website, which is PeteTheVet.com. That is Pete Weatherburn from Bray Vet, an old Connor in Bray. Uh, have a look out for him, if you can bear it, on TV3. <laughs> I mean, the programme is good, but looking at Pete, well, that's another matter. And <laughs> you have a lovely radio voice, Doctor. <laughs> Pete Weatherburn, our vet.